Welcome to Election Profit Makers, our podcast. My name is David, and I'm joined by John. Johnny, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Johnny, do you love me? Yes. Yeah, I love you. Johnny, do you make me money? Mm, sometimes, yeah. Johnny, does your hair look funny? Yes, it does. Explain, Johnny. Uh, well, uh, I've been growing my hair out. It's been two months since I got my hair cut. Uh, Omicron, you know, I thought I would stay away. And then David kept telling me how great my hair looked. And I said, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. But I do just need to go get a trim. So I did. And I think she just trimmed a little more off the sides in the back and left the top really long so it's not so balanced anymore you're looking a little look, floppy up top you're you got some top flop for sure kind of look like a little skater kid or something yeah i don't know what's going on i i actually think i need to go back and have her just take it off everywhere okay let's start the show i heard that uh there was a big sporting event on um this well there were a number of sporting events on. Actually, Carolina and Duke played yesterday. Yeah, how'd that go? I know you had to watch that game out of a sense of dread and duty. What happened? It was horrible. I When I watch Carolina and Duke, I like to watch it by myself uh, or with other people that are also tortured by these sports because it's not an enjoyable experience. But yesterday I had to watch it with a number of people. They don't really care too much about the game. So watching my beloved Tariels get destroyed while other people are just chit chatting was, was frustrating. And destroyed they did get, unless I have some faulty intel. I heard they lost by 20 points. They did. You know, I sent our friend Mike a text at the beginning of the game and I said, Mike, this is going to be painful. Uh, Duke is favored, was favored in the game by three points, but I knew better. And I said, Mike, this is going to be very painful, and they're going to beat us by 30 points. And then within 10 minutes or so, we were down 23 points. And with less than a minute to go in the game, we were actually down 28 points. What? Um, but Duke put their scrubs in at the end, which was just so even worse. To have Mike Krzyzewski put his grandson in. Mike Krzyzewski's grandson plays for Duke? Yeah. So he had to put his grandson in oh in the gosh. last 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. And Carolina was able to, you know, cut into the lead a little there at the end to make it a respectable 20 points. Mike Krzyzewski, of course, the beloved basketball coach of Duke, the greatest basketball coach in history. And this is his final season. This is like his grand tour of the NCAA as he bids farewell over the course of this season of basketball. Right. This was his final game at UNC. Is that not correct, Johnny? That is correct. And there was a lot of controversy that UNC didn't have a, a ceremony to honor him. But mm. The team sort of honored him by letting him win by 20 points. But I mean, it's Carolina Duke, you know? And I mean, uh, it's one of the great rivalries in sports, right? I mean, yeah, this is why we love yeah. basketball. Tobacco Road. Yeah, eight miles apart. I mean, all, all true. UNC Duke, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we love college basketball. One of the great rivalries in American sports. From the campus of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the oldest state university in the country. Go down Tobacco Road and you'll wind up in Duke University. 
an elite private institution favored by the powerful and wealthy. Gothic architecture, the Duke Cathedral, see, as seen in the movie Brainstorm, starring Christopher Walken. Yeah. But these two powerhouses could not be more different, or should I say more alike, in their passion for basketball, the sport we are now discussing. Yeah. Okay. So in the last 100 games between Carolina and Duke, um, Duke has won 50 and, and UNC has won 50. Um, and UNC has scored 11 more points than Duke. I mean, that's magical. It is, yeah. That's a good rivalry. That's a sign of a good rivalry. It is a sign of a good rivalry, yeah. And that's why we love the game of basketball. That's right. So any other sporting events going on? John, very interesting you should ask me that. As a matter of fact, I watched on Friday night the opening ceremonies to the Beijing Olympics. Party, party. The people I was having dinner with, our mutual friend John Hodgman and his family, they were like, let's see what these opening ceremonies are like. I said, okay, yeah, let's see. Boy, oh boy, I don't know if anybody else out there watched the opening ceremonies to the Beijing Olympics. They were really disturbing and depressing. Seriously? Like, yeah, it was like, we stopped watching. We we turned it, we turned the channel. Oh, wow, okay. Actually, it started off, I was very excited because they had these analysts come on and talk about why the Olympics were controversial and why the U.S. government wasn't sending a delegation. And they talked about the Uyghurs. They talked about the fact that Putin was there, you know, to cozy up to... Uh, Xi Jinping. It was like very interesting, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, are we really going to have a kind of like adult conversation about these Olympics where it's like, or NBC is like, yeah, you actually should feel conflicted about watching these Olympics. We're conflicted about broadcasting it. Like this is dystopian. I mean, that obviously was left for the viewers to decide, but it was kind of like, oh, this is cool. They're not just going to completely ignore everything about what's going on in China. Right. Right. Which did they did last time? I think so. Yeah. I feel like they did. Yeah, yeah. More so. I mean, I think it was actually good. It's probably because the, if the U.S. government doesn't send a delegation, you kind of have to mention that and say why, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess because of COVID, the entire it just felt very empty. There was a huge stadium, of course. The entire floor was one big, massive LED screen. So they were basically walking across a gigantic television set that was continually changing graphics. I guess it was supposed to be dynamic without having a huge crowd of people on the on the stadium floor. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of depressing. So the TV, the thing, the, the this L, LCD screen, it was not a projection. It was an actual, the projection wasn't coming from above. It was coming from below. I think so. It looked like they were walking across a massive TV set. Yeah. The big opening dance sequence was a bunch of people with super long, glowing green glow sticks, like you used to get at raves, except these ones were like 20 feet tall. Mm -hmm. It looked like like a bunch of glowing green blades of grass trying to recreate the Blood Incantation logo. It's a little heavy metal logo joke there for all my Blood Incantation fans. Just like crisscross, messy looking. It made no sense. Then they start marching everybody out. The Taiwanese delegation of like three athletes are like looking around skittishly like they fully expect to be assassinated. And then shots of Putin and Xi Jinping sitting beside each other in the stadium watching all this. There's like all these projections and digital stuff going on. So you can't really tell what's physically there and what's just like something done in post-production or something, you know, Mm -hmm. It, it just felt unsettling. And my hosts were like, this is no fun. So I said, guys, I know the perfect thing we should watch. Let's check out this new Jack Reacher series on Amazon because I don't have Amazon, but I saw they they had Amazon. I was like, you know what? 
can, can I commandeer this TV set for a minute? Let's check out the new Jack Reacher. So I finally got to see the new Jack Reacher series on Amazon. And here's the thing. What is everyone saying about this series? Well, you know, Jack Reacher in the in the books, the original books by Lee Child, is six foot five. He has hands as big as dinner plates. He's just a massive hulking mass. When they adapted the Jack Reachers the first time around to make movies out of him, who did they cast as Jack Reacher, John? Do you know? No. Tom Cruise. Definitely not six foot five. Tom Cruise is full of full of energy and a lot of fun, but he's not Jack Reacher as as described in the books. Okay, but he's a he's a physical specimen. Oh, he's a oh my gosh! Of course he is. Guy. That's like got to be one of the fastest runners and jumpers in Hollywood history. Right, but he's got to be tall. But the thing book. about Jack Reacher is he's just like a sentient tree. Okay, he's just supposed to be massively physically intimidating. All right. At the time when these Jack Reacher movies came out that starred Tom Cruise, Lee Child was like, "Yeah, it's really just more about a mood of Jack." It's like, bro, you know, you know, this isn't what your character looked like. But he's not going to turn down having Tom Cruise make these movies. Right? It's no, a chance of a lifetime. Yeah. Hardcore Jack Reacher fans, of course, were offended by Tom Cruise playing Jack Reacher. And I watched some of the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher, and it was like, this is okay, but it's not Jack Reacher. So everyone in the Jack Reacher community got excited when they cast this new hulking actor to play Jack Reacher in the Amazon series. Mm-hmm. John, it was just as depressing as the opening ceremony of the Olympics. No. I did not make it 10 minutes into this Jack Reacher show until I turned to my hosts and said, let's watch something else. The guy is good. He has a really unusual face. Like, And Jack Reacher is not handsome. His body is covered in scars and he's been in a lot of fights. The actor who plays him has a very unusual face. And this is going to be very, very specific criticism. But you know how guys in Hollywood, like superheroes and stuff, they're always so jacked and sculpted. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not actually how bodies look if you're strong just because you fight all the time. Like, this guy's biceps and triceps are so well-defined. I mean, he does look strong, but here's the thing. In the books, Jack Reacher famously never exercises. All Jack Reacher does is drink black coffee, eat cheeseburgers and ice cream, and fucking fight people. And that gives you a very specific body. It can give you a huge body. Right. But it doesn't give you the sculpted gym you know, isolated bicep hammer curl body that all these right. Hollywood guys have. So they kind of got his arm slightly wrong, I will say. Okay, so who should it have been? Who, who should it have been? Me! Who is a, oh, yeah, you're I'm right. I'm six, two and a half. So yeah. I'm better than Tom Cruise right from the get-go. Right. No, you're tall enough for sure. Um, They could rewrite Jack Reacher to have lovely flowing gray hair that comes down to his shoulders yeah. and a little wee mustache. Yeah. I would definitely punch up Jack Reacher's little comebacks and witty comments and zingers because those things drive me crazy. And eventually I had to abandon the books because his zingers were getting so bad. And to actually see an actor say these zingers with a kind of self-satisfied expression, I was like, Bro, I'm out of here. No more Jack Reacher. So we were depressed from watching the opening ceremony of the Olympics and Jack Reacher. <laughs> so someone said, this is depressing. Let's watch something fun. So we watched Midsommar. <laughs> That's how dire things were getting that we watched fucking Midsommar as a pick-me-up. Did you really? You're making a – that's a joke. No. That's a good joke. If, if- I think it's okay to say this, that Hodgman's wife, Catherine, loves Midsommar. Interesting. And, and she was like, I know something fun we can watch. I was like, I haven't seen this since I dragged John Kimball to Silver Spot Cinemas in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and made him watch it opening night with no context and no warning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was not feeling it. Yeah. Woo. 
Speaking of Hodgman and shows, I hear you guys have a new show coming out or a new season mm-hmm. of a show. Dicktown. Thank you, John. Season two of Dicktown, the cartoon that I make with uh, the aforementioned uh, John Hodgman premieres Thursday, March 3rd at 10 p.m. on FXX and will be available the following day on Hulu. That's where I'll be watching. Ten new episodes following John Hunchman and David Purefoy as they solve mysteries for teenagers and for the first time ever for adults. That is really exciting. Yeah, so I think you can watch season one at bit.ly slash dicktown. Thanks for that, John. That was kind of you to bring that up. We hope people enjoy the second season of our cartoon and um, tell your friends. Talk about the North Carolina Supreme Court map stuff. The North Carolina legislature recently uh, drew maps, uh, very partisan maps uh, that were... North Carolina got a new uh, legislative district because it's a growing state. So there are 14 districts now in North Carolina, and they drew a map that is 10 Republican, four Democrats, even though North Carolina is virtually split 50-50. Donald Trump won by about two points here. We've got a democratically elected governor. North Carolina is is a purple state, right? Pretty much in the middle. So a 10-4 map uh, did not seem fair, and it went before the North Carolina Supreme Court, and they struck it down along uh, party lines, four to three. They said it's against the North Carolina Constitution, and they said the legislature's got 14 days to redraw it, or the court will do it itself. So if they want to try to push things again, then you know we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, we don't exactly know what's going to happen. Um, Dr. Michael Bitzer of Catawba College, he's a longtime scholar of North Carolina politics, thinks that it's possible that it could go to the U.S. Supreme Court and that they'll argue that the they'll they'll argue that the North Carolina Supreme Court is taking power away from the legislature and that it's the legislature's job to enact these maps. Never mind the fact that it's the legislature uh, that was elected in the first place uh, under these faulty maps. Is North Carolina the only state that's having their maps contested in the state Supreme Court? No, no. This is happening everywhere. And the de- the Democrats have been winning in many places. I mean, to the point now that with all this redistricting, it is looking like the Democrats are are going to gain seats through redistricting, um, and that there it may even be a slight. You know, the Republicans have a slight bias in the electoral college. Democrats need to win by two or three points. Uh, in the national popular vote to win the electoral college. But right now, the the Democrats have, uh, it looks like, an advantage in the House. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2022 with that. I mean, I, I still think it's not likely that the Democrats will hold the House, but they might not lose by as much as previously believed. And that would be great news for 2024. Does this mean that all the politicians who are running in primaries in North Carolina, which is like in two months, don't know what district they're running in? Yeah. Yeah. Chaos. Oh, it is madness. Yes. You know what? We could call it May Madness. Would that be fun? Yeah, that's fun. Because that's <laughs> thanks. Because that's of, fun. Because the primaries are in May and there's madness with the maps. 
But, you know, the North Carolina Supreme Court is so evenly split. I mean, it's so close right now. It's four to three with the Democrats having the majority. And in the fall elections, the Supreme Court is up as well. So it's possible that all this could be moot with the Republicans retaking the Supreme Court at some point um, and then just reversing all this. So, yeah, these maps. What do they say about weather in North Carolina? If you don't like it, wait a minute. No, they say that about weather in Boston. Yeah, they say it about weather everywhere, but everyone wait, thinks what? But everyone says it's it's it everyone thinks it's unique to oh, them. Oh god. Yeah. If you don't like the weather in Indiana, just wait a minute. If you don't like the weather in North Carolina, just wait a minute. Well, it's the same way with these maps. If you don't like these maps, just wait a minute, because they're gonna get changed over and over and over. All of us here at Election Profit Makers World Headquarters would like to wish John a happy 50th birthday on Tuesday. John, your varied interests, good humor, and sincerity are a comfort in these trying times. We hope your special day is filled with delightful artifacts, fascinating statistics, and muscular skylines. I may be a simple robot with no emotions but I love you nonetheless. Happy birthday Long John Silver. Let's get into the Predicted here. You know, if you guys want to follow along and 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 join Predicted, you can go to predicted.org slash promo slash EPM20 and you'll receive up to $20 in matching funds and you too can, can ride the waves and join the lifestyle. <laughs> and I think, David, you were somehow dipped into this Johnson stays the UK prime minister through February. I always think these politicians are going to resign or be held to account. I'm so underwater in this damn market. He's not he's not going anywhere. I got excited this week because these, you know, these reports are coming out and now they say there's a photo of him drinking a beer at a forbidden party during the height of lockdown. Maybe that'll make a difference. He lost four senior aides on Thursday. They all resigned within the within 24 hours, you know. So I felt like, "Oh, he's, you know, the rats are sinking the the rats are sinking the fleeing ship. The fleas yeah. are sinking the rats ship." No. The ship is fleeing the sinking rats. No, wait, wait. I have it. I have it. It's on the tip of my tongue. The rats are fleeing the sinking rat. No, damn it. That's not quite it. The rats are sinking. No, the rats are fleeing the sinking ship. That's what I thought. I thought the rats are fleeing the sinking ship. It's all going to end. He's going to resign tonight. Of course, he's not going to resign. I'm underwater. It's not going to happen by the end of February. I just always want these resignations to happen out of nowhere and immediately and very dramatically and surprisingly. But no, uh, I bought at, um, er, let me see. I bought at 27. Yeah. And it's now at seven. So that's not great for me. But we wish Boris Johnson the best. He says he's learned his lesson and is going to find ways to improve. Whatever. Oh. Sometimes these politicians just, sometimes all I do is just shake my head. I have to say it. Sometimes I just look at these politicians and what they get up to, and I just shake my head. Yeah. And looking at the rest of my predicted portfolio as, as it is currently constructed, well, I'm up a single dollar in who will be the Democratic 2024 presidential nominee. Of course, I thought Biden was underpriced, so I vested there. As for who the 2024 presidential election winner will be, I'm a losing the money, mama mia. Yeah, me too. I shouldn't have invested in Joe Biden, but I'm going to hold for a while longer. I don't have to get out today. Let me hold. I'm long on Joe Biden. How do you like that? I'm bullish on Joe Biden. 
golly, Donald Trump trading eight cents above Joe Biden. We can't let this happen again. Joe Biden tied with Ron DeSantis. Oh, America, when did we lose our way? Trump's not going to be the nominee because, you know, Pence came out this week and said that uh, Trump was wrong to to uh, to tell Pence to overthrow the will of the electorate. Yeah. So everyone is like, yeah, Pence, you're no, no. What do you think? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Moving right along. Yeah. (laughs) Bad boys. Everybody get ready. Yeah, yeah. Everybody have fun. Party, party. It's bad boys of the week. Let's get it poppin'. Bad boys are number one. Since we were talking about the North Carolina Supreme Court, I would like to to nominate the North Carolina Chief Justice. Paul Newby for Bad Boy of the Week for in, in his dissenting opinion, he accused his colleagues of being guided by politics. He says, a majority of this court, however, tosses judicial restraint aside, seizing the opportunity to advance its agenda. He also accused them of seeking to hide their partisan bias. It's not the first time he's done this stuff. When he was uh, on the campaign trail in 2019, he was on the on the court then. He wasn't the chief justice then, but he also accused his colleagues of being a bunch of AOCs. <gasps> Whoa! It's uh, sort of unbecoming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put him on there. Okay. Uh, also on the judicial circuit, I will say that I'd like to nominate Republican Senator John Kennedy, who came out and was talking about on the idea of nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court. He said, number one, I want a nominee who knows a law book from a J. Crew catalog. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Did something go wrong in his mind before he said that? Because That's not a good joke. Well, if he's trying to be racist, J. Crew is like the whitest thing in the world. Well, I think judges are like J. Crew. I think J. The J. and J. Crew might stand for judges or something. Oh, the judges crew. Yeah, right. We're a crew of judges, J. Crew. So no, I'm not sure that's it. No, Tom. that's probably wrong. The comment makes no sense. It definitely sounds like he's trying to be racist. I want someone who can tell the difference between a law book. And a J. Crew catalog. Maybe he was just trying to be sexist. Oh, because women love to shop through catalogs. Yeah. Yes. I was reading that. I thought it was zinging him from the African-American perspective, but maybe it's from the woman perspective. Yeah. But J. Crew sells men's clothes. Yeah. This dude is a, who is this guy? This guy's like the dumbest person ever. Yeah. He went to Oxford, actually, believe it or not. I'm going to give it to him. He's bad boy of the week. I don't need to hear the other nominees. That's incredible. Oh, I just want to give you one more. Okay, give me one more. Okay. Uh, Mandel was inter- interviewed um, oh. by some <laughs> Josh somebody. Mandel, I presume? Yeah. yeah, Josh Mandel. The man you love more than any other man? That's right. He's not weird at all. He was asked about his Twitter strategy, and he said, you should see the stuff that doesn't get online. Oh, okay. He wins. So then at this point, he opens up his text messaging app and shows his, uh, this reporter his 
Twitter approval thread where they go back and forth on what type of tweets are going to be out there. And he was very proud of one of his recently rejected tweets, which was an attack on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And the tweet, he pulled it up, was CO2 is not a pollutant, but AOC is. Mm. That one got rejected, Mm -hmm. but- he, he he thought it was good. It's pretty great joke. Yeah. Um, because CO2 and AOC contain two of the three same letters. It looks better than it sounds. Yeah. It, I have to say, again, like with the Kennedy thing about the J. Crew catalog, like it doesn't actually, it's not great, but the glee with which he's sharing his like, this is the stuff that is so edgy, my staff won't let me tweet it. That's, that's, that's the energy that we love from bad boys. Yeah, and he still got it out there. Yeah, that's very smart. That he played it very well. Yeah. It's like when you see a movie and it has a red band trailer, like this is the trailer that we can't show you in the movie theater because it's so fucked up and raw. But you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> we'll see you opening night at Hot Dog Wars Six, wet yeah. bikini shits. By the guys <laughs> who f- from the <laughs> from the guys who brought you super bad and wedding crashers. Yeah. You know it's bad. You know it. Yeah. yeah. Come on. All right. The spirit of bad boy sounds like this. Yeah, you know it's bad. You gotta risk that tweet as a single. You got a tweet you can't show. It's like, oh, how do you show this one? AOC. You know it's bad. Yeah, it's bad boy. I'm Josh Mendel. You know I'm bad. Don't tickle me. I'm bad. A report came out that Trump really doesn't like Mandel uh, and apparently uh, thinks that he's got a weird sex life or something. I mean, Trump is such a gossip. Who? I mean, I saw the headline of something like Trump intrigued by Josh Mandel's sex life. Yeah. Who among us? But who among us is not? Yeah. He thinks he doesn't have charisma. I mean, Trump. Yeah. I mean, he he. you've got to be handsome. You've got to have charisma. If you don't have any of that, he's he's not. Not into it. So why hasn't Trump endorsed J.D. Vance? Is he, does he have charisma? Um, have you seen his beard lately? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He can't endorse Mandel. I mean, he can't endorse Vance because Vance used to criticize him back in the day when Vance was trying to be the, the, the hillbilly chronicler. So he'll sit this one out. That's a shame. Ohio Senate race. That could be a, that could, Trump could go and do some rallies there if there was just somebody he could get behind. But Vance criticized Trump, and Josh Mandel is a has a weird, char- charisma free, erotic life. Apparently, all right. So my bad boy of the week, for the record, is Josh Mandel showing off those forbidden tweets. I love that energy. I love that creative workaround. He gets the tweets out without actually tweeting them. That's good stuff. And it, I mean, in fairness, CO two and AOC they they do sound the same. So that's good stuff. Josh Mandel, congratulations. If I see you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a big kiss. <laughs> what? what? Sorry. What are you doing? I don't know. I literally just started, <laughs> I literally started staring out the window into the middle distance, imagining what would happen if I kissed Josh Mandel deeply 
and it became like a national news item and like it was like in a photo in the newspaper. Yeah. I, I really I really of, I fell into a reverie about it. Like yeah. not that I'm fantasizing about doing it, but No, what would happen? I was just in my mind like, gosh, what would that be like? And I was picturing the photo that I'm standing on the left and Mandel's on the right and it's shot with like a telephoto lens, like a paparazzi shot. Is there a cornfield behind you? We're both standing and I'm kind of leaning forward and just kissing him like open mouth on the mouth, like we're Frenching. Uh-huh. And he's wearing a suit and I'm just wearing like whatever, what I always wear, just like a hoodie. It would just be so crazy. People, the people who know me would be absolutely shocked. And I guess the people who know Josh Mandel would be absolutely shocked. And it's not like a, when I picture this kiss, it's not like, it's not romantic and it's not even really erotic. It's just kind of like, it is what it is. You know, it's like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like scratching your ear or something. It's like, yeah, yeah. we just we French kissed on this utilitarian. sidewalk. Utilitarian. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's not a peck. It's not a utilitarian peck on the cheek or something. It's like, it's very hard to describe this hypothetical kiss. But anyway, I guess I was thinking about that and I kind of zoned out for a second. So I apologize. I'm glad you picked up on that and brought me back down to earth. When we were talking about the Canadian truckers last week and their so-called freedom convoy. I'm not going to pay a lot for this muffler. Whether they qualified for bad boys of the week, we got an email from Morgan from Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. Much sincere appreciation for highlighting these Canadian truckers on the most recent episode of EPM. I do feel the truckers lack some of the wink and nod awareness that it takes to be a real EPM bad boy. Sarah Palin was the clear winner. Nevertheless, I must digress back to the subject of these truckers. The protest enters its seventh day on February 3rd. This is turning into Canada's Charlottesville and January 6th all rolled into one. These truckers have essentially made the claim to be the governing power in the country. Instead of storming the Capitol, they've closed the streets of our nation's capital with parked semi-trucks, pickups, and cars. Roughly 8,000 turned up for the initial protest, and about 250 remained propped up with a $10 million GoFundMe that has just been frozen and put under investigation by the website. It has also come to light that there are likely American agitators among the Canadian truckers remaining. The truckers have perpetrated the following acts. One, dancing on the Canadian War Memorial. Two, defacing the Terry Fox statue. Now this statue I knew nothing about when Morgan mentioned it, but I did some research. Who's who's Terry Fox? Terry Fox was an athlete and a cancer patient who had a leg amputated and then did this massive run to raise money for cancer awareness and died in his early 20s. And there's this... He's like oh, yeah. a completely apolitical, you know, universally beloved Canadian icon. Yeah. The yeah. truckers adorned the statue with all this trucker stuff and anti-vaccine stuff, including a sign that said mandate freedom, which is pretty incredible. Some of the truckers have carried the Confederate flag and the Nazi flag. They've defecated on people's lawns. Oh, are you sure they're not bad boys? They played street hockey on downtown streets. They harassed locals with threats of violence and use of homophobic, racist, sexist, and transphobic slurs. They're blaring their horns morning, noon, and night. The list goes on. It would be great if the audience could get your takes on the Canadian trucker protest in further detail. I don't know. Do we have any more detailed takes on the Canadian truckers? I I oppose the Canadian truckers. I think these Canadian truckers suck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The blowing the horns. This is people just fucking whining and lashing out. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's people whining and lashing out. That's what I have to say about that. I mean, sometimes, John, I stare at these Canadian truckers. I just shake my head. Yeah. Yeah, you should. 
Sometimes it's all you can do is shake your head. Ooh, ain't that the truth? Thank you, Morgan, for that dispatch from Vancouver SMH, Island. SMH, shaking my head. There we go. Internet lingo for you teenagers out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we got another letter here from Eileen. She writes in, thanks for answering my question on the Patreon Q&A spectacular. I wanted to let you know that based on Long John Silver's sage advice, I am indeed gaining and am up to eight cents in my portfolio. I'm tiny wave riding in the penny brackets and hope to get into double digits, double digit cents soon. Thanks for the advice. And here's another question that wasn't addressed. How the heck do you guys know Amy Mann? For those who haven't listened to our Patreon Q&A Spectacular with guest Amy Mann, why don't you tell these people what Eileen's question was? It was something, what was it? Okay, here's her question. Eileen had had written in her question for the Q&A Spectacular. I literally have three cents left in predicted. After cashing out my 2020 election profits, I'd like to be gaining again. What's the best market to get back into and parlay my way up to a dollar? So she's actually more than doubled her money now. She started at three cents and now she's at eight cents. She's on her way. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's tough when you're at three cents to get Mm. back in the game, but she's doing it. Congratulations, Eileen. Keep us updated. Yeah, it's a great return. How the heck do you guys know Amy Mann? I don't don't really know Amy Mann. I don't remember how I know know Amy Mann. Mann. I know Amy Mann through you. I think I must have met her through through the Jonathan Colton cruise, right? Yeah. I don't know. But she's she's the best. Happy to know her. She is the best. John, we have a question from Mush. Yep. Greetings, John and David. I hope all is well on your side of podcast land. David, I humbly request that you bring back segments during which you discuss various guitar pedals. However, I ask that you do so in the spirit of the segment's debut and that you only ever demonstrate the effect of said pedals using nothing but your own voice. I'll discuss this first, and then we'll get to the second half of his question. How's that? Oh wow! I I I'm just now seeing the second part. Oh, did you not oh. read this? No. Well, I'm. We'll we'll just we'll just do this on the fly. All okay. Right. Yeah. You do your research on the second part of the question while I talk about this pedal using my voice. Okay. This is a perfectly timed question because last night I was able to play bleep bloop music with some of my bleep blooping friends, and I brought to our practice space my new filter pedal that I built which is a clone of the Maestro Filter Sample Hold pedal, which is an envelope filter. I'm only ever building envelope filter pedals from now on. It's the best pedal to build. Envelope filters are, it's like what a wah-wah pedal is. It, you know, you can select parameters and then only certain um, frequencies get through the device and it changes the tone of your instrument. So you know how a a wah-wah pedal kind of sweeps through the filter range as you use your foot on it. That's how you get that distinctive wah-wah sound. This Maestro clone that I built is based on this early filter pedal. The thing that this pedal has that is so distinctive is a kind of randomized filter sweeper thingamabob. It's a very distinctive sound. It's like a retro futuristic sound. And I guess I'm just going to do it with my voice like the listener wants. So imagine that before you turn the pedal on, you're playing a guitar or you're hitting a keyboard key and it's like this. Dong. Got that, John? I'm not listening. Okay. Well, to everyone who's listening, <laughs> before you turn the pedal on, it sounds like this. Dong. And then when you use this uh, randomized sample hold, it goes like this. Maybe you turn it up to make it go faster. 
or you turn it way down to make it go slow like this. It's the it's so fun and satisfying. And uh, this is the first pedal that I built from a kit where it did the kit did not actually come with instructions. So it was a bit of a challenge. All I got was the list of materials that had been sent, the bill of materials, listing all the resistors and stuff, and then a picture of the circuit board with all the components and how you were supposed to wire it all together with the knobs and stuff. So it was kind of like getting kicked out of the nest a little bit in terms of building pedals, but I actually pulled it off and built it. And I have to say, this is now a top 10 pedal in my collection of pedals. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not going to recommend the people who sell this kit because they uh, didn't send me all the right components. And that was kind of a pain in the butt. But if anyone is interested in building this pedal, anyone who can build pedals without having their hand held with step-by-step instructions, you can email me at contact at electionprofitmakers.com and I'll tell you, I'll tell you whose kit I bought. That's what it sounds like. Okay, John. Okay. I'm going to continue the question. This part is for you. John, my sister-in-law and her fiance recently moved from Houston, Texas to Cary, North Carolina. Thoughts on the relocation's impact on her skyline game? I live in Charlotte and my brother's in Boston. What would you say is now the skyline hierarchy in my family? Okay, I had to go into into my notes here to look at my Skyline analytics for this one. Uh, she was definitely in first place when she was in Houston. Houston has uh, definitely one of the best Skylines in America. Um, if you were looking, say, at uh, the number of 400-foot tall buildings in cities. Houston ranks fourth. They have over 70. New York has the most, Chicago, Miami, and then Houston. So you would say Houston probably has the fourth best skyline in America. Uh, Between Boston and Charlotte, uh, I would say that Boston has a better skyline. Wow. It's a much older city. It's a much a bigger city, pound for pound, Charlotte has a better skyline than Boston if you're just going to look at per capita type stuff. But um, like, here's another list I have here. Cities with 700 foot skyscrapers. Boston has three. Charlotte has two. Um, The tallest building in Boston is... Um, 790 feet. I believe that's Prudential Center. The tallest building in Charlotte is almost 900 feet tall. So Charlotte's got Boston beat in that category. Boston doesn't have, their buildings are kind of short. Logan is too close to downtown, but Carrie, there's no tall buildings in Carrie. So she's definitely in last place now. Mm. I will say that Charlotte will have a better skyline than Boston eventually. Whoa. Okay, yeah. I like that. Forward thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, a much faster growing city. And uh, yeah. We got an amazing dispatch from R, who requested we not use their full name. We were talking last week about if you would yell anything at a politician if you came across them in the wild, like Sarah Palin sitting outside at a restaurant in New York after testing positive for COVID. R wrote in with an amazing, <laughs> amazing encounter that he, had, he or she had with uh, Marco Rubio at an airport. We're not going to bother reading it because it's pretty long, but he, 
You can't say that R didn't step up to Rubio and give him a piece of his mind. And you, and honestly, you can't say that Rubio didn't turn right around and give it right back. Like, yeah, kind of made me respect Marco Rubio a little because he was out of pocket in this airport. Experience. Assuming this is true. Assuming this is true. This has got to be true. It's kind of like, Marco, where was this fight in spirit when you were getting destroyed on the debate stage by Donald Trump? Like, yeah, you know. Thank you, R. That we really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, dispatch. I really enjoyed that, and made me. And, and I think it's good advice uh, that he that he gave is just to to not try to come up with something too creative. Basically, to just tell them to. Yeah, you, F this off. Is, you don't have to have a particular agenda in your taunts. A simple "fuck you" goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. All right, yeah. we're going to read one more uh, listener email. We were talking last week, also, I guess, about whether God had a personality. Remember that we dipped into we dipped our toes into theological waters last week to the delight yeah. and edification of all. We got an, a letter from Max, who's a rabbinical student. Max writes that God demonstrates a pretty robust range of human-like emotions in the Hebrew Bible. However, I think God's most prominent personality trait is that God is lonely. That's a pretty amazing statement. Yeah, it makes sense, though, when you think about it. He writes, God creates the universe and humanity, chooses Abraham to have a personal relationship with, and continues that relationship with his descendants. God rescues the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He takes them into the desert. He brings them to Sinai to teach them some ground rules and then gives them very detailed instructions for how to build the tabernacle, the place where God lives, and they bring God gifts of tasty meat. God just wants to chill and be loved. Woo, that'd be a cool t-shirt. Max goes on, also while at Sinai, God tells us what God's personality is. Now here he's quoting from the Bible. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Mm, okay, we'll table that for now. Abounding in kindness and faithfulness, extending kindness to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he does not remit all punishment, but visits the iniquity of parents upon children and children's children upon the third and fourth generations. That's Exodus 34, verses six and seven. Okay, as a summary of a personality, there's something else going unsaid here, or there's like a there's like a meta level to this description of the Lord's personality, right, John? Which is that this is being, this is the Lord's personality, I believe, as more or less dictated by the Lord. This is what the Lord wants us to think their personality is, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, abounding in kindness and faithfulness. Oh, but also visiting the parents' iniquities on the children for three or fourth generations. It's like, I'm not then isn't that like um, you're not actually abounding in in kindness? I don't know. It's interesting. Kind of trying to slip in these darker elements. Right. It's complicated. You know, it's like, hey, I'm a great guy. I love to have fun, but also I'm going to lock you up in my basement if you don't have fun with me. But really, I'm a great guy who likes to have fun. You know what I mean? Like you have to be, you have to pay attention to these things, how people mm-hmm. spin themselves. It's called brand management. God, of course, honestly, the Lord is one of the first great masters of brand management. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as a branding exercise, the Holy Bible is bar none, the most influential narrative about a personal brand that we've ever seen. The influence of the Bible is truly profound, and I will debate anyone who suggests otherwise. I think you're right. Okay. Thank you, Max. I, I love- It's a hot take. I like this. The idea that God's most prominent personality trait is, is God's loneliness is really an amazing statement. Yeah. No lies detected. No lies detected because you would be so lonely if you were god oh my god you live forever and you're like the most powerful being in the universe of and course. no one can no one no one can ha- touch you 
No one can. Yeah. How can you relate to anybody? Yeah. You're just bored out of your mind. These idiots down on earth who can't, who don't know all, all knowledge and are, and are not, you know, it's like, I, I would be so, if I was God, I would be so bored by humans. I would not find them fascinating at all. No. Right? Yeah. There's a lot to think about. I still believe there's a lot to think about when it comes to religion. It's why people say that, it's, that there are, it isn't intelligent life out there in the universe that, yeah. They probably, they're not going to come to us. Oh, I want to say one thing before we conclude this section of our theological um, discourse, which is that someone in our Discord mm-hmm. said when I had asked if God was a creature, they said probably not because a creature, that implies being created, right? Something that is created, a creature. God was not created. Yeah. So Latin. Latin yeah, I think it's got probably. to do with Latin roots. So much to learn about this world, John. Wish I'd taken less. So much to learn. Amo, amasamat, amamasamatasamat. I think that's what it is. Okay. John, what say we end this podcast? All right. Uh, Election Profit Makers is an independent production. Bye. <laughs>